This is Talking Villanova Basketball with Jay Wright, presented by Hartford Funds. This is your chance to get the inside scoop on Villanova basketball. Talking Villanova Basketball is presented by Hartford Funds. Our benchmark is the investor. And by Granite Run Buick GMC. Visit us online at graniterun.com. Now, let's talk Villanova basketball. Welcome to Talking Villanova Basketball, presented by Hartford Funds with Jay Wright. Today, our conversation is with ESPN analyst Jay Billis. We're here with one of my favorite people in college basketball, and actually one of my favorite people um, in general. Uh, just a good guy. I hope we can share some stories and let you know why I think so much of him. But uh, we welcome Jay Billis today. How are you, buddy? I am great, Jay. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. It's nice that we uh, hook up out here in Kansas. You fly right in and 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 uh, right to the uh, Oread Hotel, which I already called the O'Read Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> As if, oh, it would be nice if you could read. <laughs> exactly. We pulled up, I said... Um, I was on the phone and we pulled up and I said to the person from Kansas, I said, we just pulled up. They said, where are you staying? I said, at the O'Read Hotel. They said, oh, the O'Read. It's, it's on Mount O'Read. I was like, oh, all right, all right. They don't so, know anything about the main line either, so it doesn't Exactly. Matter. That's the start. But pretty cool to be um, with you in Kansas, like the, the, with Naismith and basketball. And I, I, I kind of look at look at you that way. You're kind of like the, the face of college basketball in, in our country. What, like do you know do you realize that and do you think about it or do you just let it roll i don't think about it i mean i don't i'm not sure i agree with it but i, <laughs> I, I don't think about it uh i've been with espn for 26 years now 25 years now wow and uh and i got into this because my wife didn't think i should coach and uh, i always thought really? that i would be a coach now i was a grad assistant yeah. for three years at duke while i was in law school and and I thought, well, this is what I want to do. You know, when I flamed out as a player, uh, <laughs> I thought, you know, you didn't I flame out. You had I a great career. Out, you just... But but I just I I I love it. But when I mean, you know this better than I do. But when when I sat my wife down and talked to her about, she's my fiance at the time, and talked to her about, okay, here's what life looks like as a <laughs> as a basketball coach. That you know, we had just gone through three years at Duke where we never lost. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was back when Leitner and Hurley and Grant Hill and Thomas Hill. And the, Where exactly were you in, with in, with law school and that period, the, the Leitner Hurley? I graduated. So I graduated college in 1986. Right. And then I went, I got drafted by the Dallas Mavericks back when there were like 10 rounds in the draft <laughs> and went to camp and everything. And I got an offer to play in Italy. And it, believe it or not, I got more money to play in Italy than I could have gotten if I made the Mavericks squad. Wow. And so I took it. And right. that was my level. Like Italy is my level. I was one right. of the top scorers in the league, and I had, a, I had a blast. It was nice for me, honestly, Jay, to go from being, you know, you go high school star to college role player on a great team. Right. And I went to Italy. I got to be a star again. Oh, that's cool. And it was really fun. Yeah. But after three years, I was going, I don't think I can keep doing this. Right. I, I just didn't, being away from home eight months a year yeah. um, and grinding it out that way, I loved being in Italy. Uh, and I played in Spain for a while. I loved it, but right. I was like, I don't see the end game here. Like, yeah. if I play twelve years over here, I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna be this thirty-five-year-old guy. Yeah, that's what am it. I gonna do? Yeah. And and my dad kind of talked me into look, take the take the law school entrance exam, and that way, if you get hurt or something, you can just go to law school. And he knew if if I played 10, 12 years, I would never go back to school. Right. So I went to, I was bumping up after my third year 
when I had applied to law school, I got, you know, Duke, uh, I got a call from Coach K, and he said, look, I got a spot on my staff for a grad assistant. Um, do you want it? What, what time of year were you playing, or was that in the I summer? I just finished. Or? It was like in the, in, the, in the late spring, early summer. So you knew you were going to be, you knew you weren't going to go back no, and play? No, I didn't, I didn't know that. I wow. thought I was going to go back and play. Wow. And he had said, uh, he, like he had it all planned out. I didn't realize it at the time, but he, he knew. That's cool. And so he had it planned out saying, all right, if you, you know, basically the deal was if you, if you do this grad assistant thing, you'll get into law school and then you can do both at the same time. And so that's what I did. Um, I said, I, I kind of looked at, I looked at the, the, the idea and thought, you know what, this is a good thing, wow. but I had no intention of being a lawyer. I didn't want to be a lawyer. Wow. I, I thought my dad would, had told me this is going to be a really good degree for you to have. You don't have to be a lawyer if you don't want to, um, but it'll be nice to have in your back pocket. That's and smart. then if you ever, you know, if you screw up in something else that you want to do, you can always hang out a shingle and make a good living as a lawyer. Wow. And so I did it. And, but after three years, you know, like being an assistant coach at Duke then was like, was like working at Disneyland. Everything, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I, I, I worked with, with the big guys. And when you told a big guy what to do, they could already do it. There was, <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. no coaching on my yes, part. Yes. You know, Coach K coached the team, but I didn't have to do it. <laughs> and uh, so it was a great Who were the experience. other assistants with you? Tommy okay. Amaker, Mike Bray, right. and Pete Gaudette. Wow. So that was, uh, you know, and, and honestly, Mike Bray was the one that told me about you. Is that uh, right? Yeah. When, I don't know if I've told you this, but um, when you were at Hofstra and Mike was at Delaware, you guys were the, the two best coaches yeah, in the we league. Yeah, battled each other. And you guys had great, and you had Speedy Claxton and Norman yeah. Richardson. And, and so Mike had said, man, you need to check out Hofstra. They're really good. And he said, Claxton's a pro. And, uh, and so, he, uh, and he said, and he said, Jay Wright's the real deal, man. This guy's the real thing. Wow, so I, cool. I went to, I was at home. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was at home. And you guys were playing in the NCAA tournament in Greensboro. Oh, that's right. So I decided. UC, was that UCLA? UCLA. Yeah. So I decided I'm going to take a little busman's holiday up there and watch you guys play. That's and cool. And see if I could get a little time with you afterwards. And you guys played really well. I mean, yeah. you gave them everything they uh, yeah. wanted. And that, was after the game, yeah, that was Steve Lavin. Yeah, that was Lavin's team. And after the yeah. game, I went to see you. Yeah. And just to tell you how impressed I was. And I, I just remember, I go, okay, you know, like you figure, you know, you've been around a little bit and you see. You see guys, and there are really good coaches out there, so many good ones, but there are different guys that are special, and right away I go, this guy's special. Oh, and nice, it, was, it was really cool. It was a fun, that is cool. It was that a fun is cool. thing, like when you're both, like at least in our, we're about the same age. Yeah. I, I look much younger than you do. <laughs> we're about the same age. So seeing seeing you know one of your age group peers you know when, when you're both climbing the ladder was, is really that cool. Is, that is cool. Go go back to, it's, it's really interesting to me. Um. Because back then you didn't have as many people on the staff. They had, they had Pete Gaudette, um, Tommy Amaker, Mike Bray, and being a graduate assistant on that staff, you would probably get a lot of responsibility. And I, I think about I didn't realize you did that while you were in law school. Mm -hmm. My my wife's a lawyer, and I think about Patty going through law school and how difficult that was. That had to be hard to be coaching and. And law school? I didn't think it was that hard. And really? it wasn't that, I, that oh, you know, I was smart enough. It, it wasn't that. It was just that I had the luxury of not believing I was going to be a lawyer. So 
I, yeah. I, I wanted I to do well, but I wasn't worried about, pressure. well, if I get a B minus in this course, I'm just not going to ruin my life. Right, right. Um, so I felt like I was, I was a student everywhere I was. Like I was learning in law school and then I was learning on the basketball floor every yeah. day. Like that, being a, a grad assistant opened my eyes up to the game in a way that playing never did. Yeah. Like you were, you know, you were told, we were told as players what to do and, um, and we were given our, our assignment and our scouting report and all that stuff. But I didn't, I didn't understand the depth of, of what you needed to know about the game to really understand right. the game until right. I became an assistant. And then a whole new world opened up. But for me, you know, law school, the only, I don't know what Patty's uh, view of this was, but the, the hard part about law school is fear. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, my first year, I was afraid all the time yep. that I couldn't hack it. Yep. And that I didn't, I wasn't going to know what I needed to know when, when the lights were on and cause everything was a final, like there right. was no, you know, there were no midterms and exactly. no papers and all that stuff. You had a, you had a final and it was asked, and you get asked in class something yeah, yeah. in front of everybody. You, you had to be respond. prepared all, all the time and you're, and you thought you needed to know everything. But after, after the first year you're going, okay, well I can do this. Right. And my dad was helpful. Um, you know, my old man was a TV repairman. Uh, and he was a commercial fisherman before I was born. And, and wow. you know, so, I mean, he was, a, he worked for a living. Right. And I call home one time and, you know, our generation, you would, you'd call your mom would do all the communicating exactly. and then hand yeah. the phone to your dad at the end. Your dad say, how you doing? You know, exactly. Say, to say, Yeah. Good dad. All right. All right. You know, you need, you need anything? Cool? Yeah, you're good. All right. I'll talk to you later. You know, back when talking on the phone costs a lot. Of money. <laughs> and so my dad said, how, you know, how you doing? And I said, I said, you know, I'm struggling a little bit. And, you know, I was honest with him. I said, this yeah. is not going well. And he said, what's wrong? And I said, well, I'm sitting in class here. I don't know what anybody's talking about. The guys sitting next to me, their dads are lawyers or their mom's a lawyer. They know the lingo. I don't know anything. <laughs> and my dad kind of laughed at me. And he's like, you sound like, you know, you sound like, a, like all these new mothers. Like when you, were, when you were a kid, you sound like your mother and all her friends. And I said, well, what the hell does that mean? And he said, well, they were all talking about, well, you know, this kid could walk when he was two years old and this kid could talk when he was one year old, whatever they talked about. He says, who, and he, he's basically, who gives a damn? They can all talk when they're four. <laughs> <laughs> he says, who cares who did it first? And he said something little, pretty profound. He said, he said, look, you don't get a prize for knowing it at the beginning. You get a degree for knowing it at the end. That is and good. you're like, okay. That and he basically said, you know, buck up and yeah. do the job. It's not That's that hard. That's great for players. Yeah. Same concept. It's the same concept. It's pretty cool. And you, you know, you, and so I just did the, I did the work and then at the end I graduated and I was, I was fine. Wow. Um, and it, and people think when you have a law degree, uh, Patty has probably told you when you have a law degree, people think, you know, way more than you do. <laughs> and so you, you just do. don't, don't dissuade them of that. Notion, <laughs> you know, you, you have a, you have a way to, you have a way to think that is, I just think is really unique. I, I see that with Patty, you, you do it. You have a way to uh, take information, disseminate it, and clearly make decisions, I think. Yeah, with, I mean, with th the that's degree. the best. That's a great way to put it. I mean, it, it did teach you a different way to think, law school did, and, and legal training. And it, it gave you a, a framework to solve practical problems. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then you may not know the answer, but you know how to find it. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and you also have, like, I became... Like when, before I went to law school, I would get my feelings hurt in an argument. 
<laughs> you know, you'd argue with somebody and, you know, you'd get mad or right. something. And now I can argue about anything. I don't get mad. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's, it's like, uh, it's yeah. like playing in a pickup game or something. I'm going to get mad. Somebody dunks on you. Okay. Well, I got to do something about it. You know, I got to pick myself up and deal with it. Exactly. I don't get mad if somebody, you know, we can argue all day and go have a beer afterwards. It's not right. going to bother me. Right. That's, uh, that, law school did that. That is cool. What, so those teams, were they were the Leitner? Leitner Hurley. You. So Your first years, year of law school was their sophomore year? 90, 1990. So it was, it was Hurley's freshman year, Leitner's sophomore oh, year. Wow. So my, check this out. My three years as a grad assistant, we went to the NCAA championship game every year. Oh, my God. That's why I told my wife. I like, oh this my, is Disneyland. Yeah, like this, Nothing can be. If I go somewhere else and have to do this on my own. We're gonna get our butts kicked, <laughs> yeah. and like you know, win, winning is not gonna be wow you know, a, an easy thing. And and you tried to explain, okay, if like say, and back then Bob Bender had been an assistant when I, I was a player, Bob, so yeah. he, he I used him as an example. I said, just okay, say I stay here, and uh, and I'm a full time assistant or get a job as a full time assistant somewhere, and my first job is at Illinois State, right? Like we're gonna have to move to normal Illinois, right? And if I screw that up, we're gonna be on the street, <laughs> yeah. But if I do well, maybe we can go to Clemson. Yeah. And then if I don't screw that up, then maybe we can get kind of the job you've dreamed of. But right. we may never get that. Exactly. Like that's that's all. And she's thinking moving three times before the kids get out of high school. Like, no, I'm yeah. not doing that. That's 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 amazing. So so how did the ESPN from from those three years? How did the ESPN gig come up when I was a, when I was in high school? Um, my my mom was very into me being a cultured human being, <laughs> so I had to do stuff that that most kids would recoil from, and I did recoil from it. I kept it a secret. I didn't tell any of my friends. I had to take ballroom dancing classes. I had to I had awesome. to be involved in like I t I took public speaking courses when I was in in school. Wow. Uh, I I wound up through this public speaking stuff becoming like I had to I had to compete in forensics competitions. Wow. And then my my teacher was also the drama teacher, and so he had me. He said, "You need to you need to act in in these plays." Wow. Like, I don't want to do that, and I did it anyway. That's why you do when you do. Uh, I'm, I've been in a number of events where friends of ours <clears throat> have gotten awards, and. Um, you have always been so kind, like Cal Ripken's event, and uh, when Sean got uh, mm -hmm. honored one year with Coaches versus Cancer, Sean McDonough, and you always are great at going to those events, and something happened, you couldn't come. The videos that you do, <laughs> the video, the video you just did for Cal Ripken was the best ever. That was. Did you get it? Did anybody tell you about the response for that? No. It was off the charts. Was that right? The place was rolling, and. Um, the play, the poor play-by-play -play guy <laughs> for the Ravens had to come up after that and say, "All right, well, we're not going to have Jay Billis after you just put on a show on the video." And he did, he did a good job. But I felt that was good. That and 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 I was thinking as I was watching that, um, did you do that in the ESPN studios? I did it. I did it after ACC Media Day. We just took five minutes and did oh that. Oh my right god, afterwards. it was so but good. But I was out. thinking to myself. Like this dude's an actor. I mean, like you, this dude's a legitimate actor. Now, I see why. Yeah, I mean, that I, was good. I trained a little bit for it, and it was it was kind of an interesting thing. Like I, I wound up my senior year of of high school. This drama teacher's name was Billy Kramer, and still one of the most influential people in my life. Wow. He was the first one that told me. So he says you're going to be in this play, and he didn't say I want you to try out for it. He says you're going to be in this play, 
and I, I was the lead in a play called Watch on the Rhine by Lillian Hellman. It was a World War II thing and way over our level as high school, <laughs> high school students. So, uh, you know, we do this thing. It's got extensive rehearsals, and it wound up winning a bunch of awards. And so he says to me, like in a rehearsal, I had screwed up uh, a cue. I was supposed to walk on stage at a cue, and he jumped me pretty good, about as good as any coach has ever jumped me, and said, listen, like you have no excuse for missing this. She says, this is not a basketball game where you have an opponent who's trying to stop you from executing what you're supposed to execute. The only one that stopped you from doing this was you. Wow. And you know, I started thinking about that later on, like you know, in my job, um, I'm the, you know, if I make a mistake on a broadcast, who do I blame? You know, right, I, there's nobody, right. there's nobody trying to stop me. When I was a player, <laughs> people trying to stop me. You, know, you put in a play, there's somebody trying to stop it. Yeah, nobody yeah. trying to stop me from doing what I'm supposed That's to do. That's good. That's good. And so I, I trained at that, but, but I wound up in that, that play. I won like this best actor award from bank of America Holy and I wanted geez. to turn it down. And and so I, I said, I said to, to this Billy Kramer, this teacher, I said, I'm, I can't do that. I can't take this. Like I thought, well, I'm just a basketball player that, that was asked to do this. And right. I'm, I'm going to walk away with this thing when all these people that have spent their whole, you know, all their, their time, right. like that's what they do. That's what they want to do. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not taking that. And he said, yes, you are. And you will accept it with pride. <laughs> and said, and said, you, he says you are an actor he says and he says not just that you are an award-winning actor and uh, and I, good, I took it and you know i kind of never forgot it i'll tell you what man i i i see it that's that's good stuff you found out right here on this podcast man because you that as good as you are on on air and and I, we'll get to this next with talking about basketball which I, I i really respect your opinion as you know you and i Early in our days at Hofstra, I mean at Villanova, you came up for us for Midnight Madness, and I really gave me some insight that I, I think helped us. So I, I really respect your basketball knowledge. But I, I've always said, like on air, it's it's not just the basketball knowledge. It's it's the uh, ninety-four by fifty feet thing. You did. you were the first guest on that, by the way. I, you know, Mike Sheridan, who hosts this show with us. Uh, told me that the other day that that was the first one. First guest, it was at Virginia. You I guys were playing in Virginia, and I I asked you after introducing you, and you know, ninety four feet was Villanova's Jay Wright. I asked you, I think, what what TV shows did you watch as a kid? And you were like, God, that's a good question. We got past half court, and you hadn't answered it yet. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, but we got to bust this. Let's do this again. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, the first question, we got 49 feet. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe either this 94 by 50 feet is not a good idea, or just Jay's not going to be good at this. But I saw you did the one in Hawaii. You you did it on the beach. Yeah, with, with Hachimura. Yeah, Louis yeah, Hachimura. that was cool. And. What was was he standing up higher than you? No, was, the or, beach or, was kind of slanted a little slanted. bit. Yeah, and I, I, t I took the down position. He looked like he was seven four. It I think did. I improved his draft status. I think you did. Damn, Bill is a six eight. This guy must be seven three. I, I was thinking with you, like Jay could have definitely thought of that and said, "All right, this is going to look good. I'm going to make this look good." <laughs> um, but the so anyway, I, I love I love you all. I love all that side stuff you do with that. Um, I want I want to talk to you about. Uh, let's get into. Uh, basketball, um, uh, and I, I love that how you get involved with the rules committee and and um, you, you said about making about 
having arguments like I, there's some things i i think you have really good ideas about and i you make me think give me your thoughts on the changes to the game the rule the rule changes you think that are important i was really in favor of the freedom of movement initiative when we started all that we decided that uh, you know i was on something called the competition committee that jim delaney had put together it was an llc instead of being part of the ncaa structure so we had no authority we just had we looked at data and we made recommendations to the rules committee and I had felt, and I think I wasn't alone in this with some other committee members, that the game had become far too physical. And not just physical in blockouts and, and, and you know, botting people up, but in clutching and grabbing. That, you know, you had guys coming off screens that were just getting grabbed. And, you know, the, the, the stuff that people were talking about, foul them with your chest. I mean, that had become a teaching point because, yeah, you know, yeah. you know how it is. Every coach is going to teach to what they can get away with with the officials. Right. And the officials would would complain to me about, well, wait a minute, like look what look what Michigan State is doing with blockouts. Look what Butler's doing with blockouts. And I, and I would say, well, you know why they're doing that? Because you won't call it. Right. Exactly. Like, it, and I look at officiating as like uh, being a cop on the side of the road. Like, if speeding is a problem, the only way you stop speeding is give tickets out. Right. You start giving out tickets out, people stop speeding. And so we've had it's scoring was going way down to historic lows and we were having these games were becoming fistfights and, and it wasn't like the old big East where man, you know, you might've gotten a hard foul or something like that. Now you're getting, you're getting grabbed and, uh, and, and you're getting, you're being impeded. Uh, and it's, it's always been against the rules. So we really didn't make that many rules changes. We emphasized the current rules. Right. And, and I say we, I mean the rules committee, we made the recommendations. Um, and then went to a 30 second shot clock, like 35 to 30. You know, we had arguments over that where people <laughs> were saying, well, yeah, we're going to have a lot of bad shots. No data suggested there would be bad shots. You can look at WNBA, NBA, FIBA, high school. Um, you know, we had, we had the slowest game in the world for a time. Men's college basketball was the slowest game in the world. Wow. We had the we had the the women women's college basketball had a thirty second shot clock before we did. Yeah, yeah they had quarters. Yeah, which and and that's the next thing is quarters. We need to reset fouls at the end of the first and third quarters, team fouls, so that that you are not saddled with you you being anybody. You're not saddled with a few bad calls early in the first half or or, or establishing calls in, early in the first half. Are so, we are we getting? Um, are we, are we getting criteria from women's basketball on that? We're starting it, to. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting more. We're getting it? more data. Yeah, it supports it. It is. Yeah, because people, you know, and not to bog us down in this thing, but the the lament from those that differ with change has been, one, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. And two, we don't want to be like the NBA. And my response is, it is broke, but... Nobody also said, if it ain't broke, don't maintain it or don't make it better. Right, right, right. Um, and then why do we not want to be like the NBA? We're like the NBA already. Right. We have, we have, you know, we have pick and roll basketball like crazy because it works. Right, right. So we're doing what the NBA does anyway. Right. And, you know, so that's, a, that's ridiculous. The NBA is a good game. FIBA yeah. is a good game. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. And and so you know having it where where there's more freedom of movement where there's uh, uh, you know we have we can reduce the amount of free throws on common fouls why would we not want to do that right 
I mean, it, it makes no sense. I'm, and I'm and with you. we're not I'm like the you. NBA if we have quarters. High school has quarters. FIBA has quarters. Everything has quarters except us. And we're going, what do we know? That Because I ask this all the time. What do we know that the rest of the world doesn't know? Because we should educate them on exactly why we're right. We should tell them why they're idiots, and we know. We know. I love it. I, I went going going with with that theme um, about not being like the NBA. Let, let's hold on to that thought, and um, I happen to agree with you on the. I, I love the, and I, I'm a def, I consider myself a defensive coach. But I really think it's helped the game, and. Um, we just did a game in Florida. Dick Vitale did the game. We did, we shot forty threes. And he was saying after the game, he didn't even talk about our game. He's like, "There's too many threes. What are we doing?" You know, it's it's basketball. We're yeah. shooting. It's old school. If they like, if they let us shoot them, we're going to shoot them. It's and, an old, but that's an old school mentality. Yeah, and you know, the next game they wouldn't let us get the threes. Yeah. so we got layups. Mm-hmm. You know, it just. Um, but it, it's it is funny. It is an old school mentality. We're gonna we're gonna come back, and I, w- I want to talk to you about. Um, the, the NBA and being like the NBA. I've got my own thoughts on that. And off the court, we'll, we'll, we'll come back. You're listening to Talking Villanova Basketball, presented by Hartford Funds, back after this. When Mother Nature strikes, count on your certaintyed roof to perform. That's the commitment we've made to homeowners for more than 100 years. For roofing you can rely on, look no further than certaintyed. To find a certaintyed credential contractor near you, Visit CertainTeed.com. This is a shout-out to the professional tailgaters, game day grillers, and potluck pros. Whether you bake it, smoke it, stack it, or melt it, there's nothing more important than how you cook up your team's spirit while serving it with an ice-cold Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, or Coke Life. We may not all agree on the best game day foods, but when you serve your meals with a Coke, you know you've got yourself a winner. Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. ExxonMobil and Dunn Manning, proud sponsors of Villanova Wildcat Athletics. J.J. White Incorporated is the single-source, multi-trade contractor for your next construction project. Since 1920, J.J. White Incorporated has been constructing with knowledge and providing service with integrity and safety. Visit J.J. White online at jjwhiteinc.com. We are back talking Villanova basketball presented by Hartford Funds with Jay Wright and Jay Billis. And, Coach, I'll turn it back to you to resume our conversation about where the state of basketball is these days. Thank you, Michael. Um, I, I could talk to Jay forever on this stuff. I, I, I just I, I love his thought process. Um, and, Jay, the, 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 this is a um, – a topic that is is dear to my heart and I usually don't talk about it much because everyone disagrees with me so I, I feel like I'm a part of this game so they don't agree they don't agree with me so um I got to support them we're all in this together right I give them my opinion they don't agree so we move forward paying paying the players college basketball um and, and where we go from here, the state of the game. Give me, give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm an advocate of each school doing whatever it chooses to do, and I don't have any problem with the facilities that Villanova decides to build, how much it decides to pay its coaching staff, and whether 
Villanova wants to fly private or fly commercial or go by bus or what you want to feed the players, that's up to you. I have no problem with that. I don't think it should be anybody's say. Uh, we, we live in a free market economy. It's not a big deal. Uh, the game can have you know rules for competition as to each school can only have 13 players on a roster. You can only play X amount of games, whatever. That's fine. I mean, that, that's those, those are for competitive balance. But the only rule we have with regard to, or the only restriction we have with regard to money is on the players. And I find that wrong to the point, honestly, of being immoral when we're in a multi-billion dollar business and people are making money hand over fist in this, this enterprise. And if, if we had some sort of law in this country that said no student can make money while enrolled in school, then I go, okay, well, that's a, that's a federal law or state law. I, I get it. You know, people can vote if they want to. But we don't have a rule like that. Every Villanova student except for an athlete can make whatever money they want while they're enrolled in school without restriction. And my thing is, like right now, as you know, we've got – uh, amateurism means room, board, tuition, books, and a stipend that gets you to what they call cost of attendance. Five years ago, giving a player a stipend would have been an NCAA violation right. that would have been egregious and, and would have said, you can't, th- that makes the player a pro. So we've just changed our definition of amateurism now, as we have done over the 106-year history of the NCAA. We've done that over and over again. It might be more than 106 years now, but... We, we keep changing, changing the definition. So as you know, right now, there's some court cases going on, and a big point of discussion is, all right, we don't want to pay the players, but let's allow them their name, image, and right, likeness rights. Well, my thing is just allow people to pay them. If Villanova decides, you know what, we don't want to pay our players. Let, take that in the marketplace and see how it works out. Maybe it'll work out great for you. Just like in the Ivy League for years, they didn't give scholarships or the Patriot League, whatever. See how that works out for you. Because nobody's telling the Big East schools what they can pay their coaches versus the SEC and all that. We're not doing that. So, but, but what will happen, say, we, say just for argument's sake, they get their name, image, and likeness rights. So now all of a sudden, Villanova is going to have a, an issue where you recruit a player and the player says, well, I'm going to, Adidas is offering me money for a shoe deal. And you're going, well, we're a Nike school. <laughs> so that conflicts with our Nike contract. Um, and then they want to, they want to sign a, a, a deal. They get an offer to sign a deal with a local Hooters. Well, wait a minute. We, we're with McDonald's. Like that, it's just easier to do it the same way they do with any employee, saying, we'll pay you. We'll have a contract. And then, uh, and then you know, we can, we can have say in your outside income. It's just right. easier. And why we're, why we're fighting this? One, if we don't have any money, we shouldn't worry about it. Right. We do have money. We got plenty of money. But what about the federal? What about the federal law that the Title IX law that that that's really this is what I always um, you know I, I think the, the NCAA gets knocked so much and I I um, you're, and you're good at it, um, <laughs> but. Uh, you're good because you're intelligent about it, so it, it it blows people away, and they say, "Well, I can't argue with that." But it, the NCA is us. Like that's what always kills me. It's 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 the co- it's the presidents and the coaches. Like, I hear you, Jay, but that you know, doesn't. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that doesn't. That's that's akin to saying the federal government is us. Is we the people? Like that doesn't make just because we can vote doesn't mean that the policies are correct. 
And that, that's sort of the issue. No, but we do have a say in, and I don't want to get off on that, but we do have a say in who we put in there, right? And true. we do have some say. But I don't like that analogy. But, but, I, I, want to, but I want to get to you. No, <laughs> I want to get to you. I, I, don't, I, I don't think. I think it's different. It's, we, here, let's look at it this way. We have a basketball. There, there's, there's amateur basketball. There, mm -hmm. there, there, let's say this. There's high school basketball, um, youth basketball, which you can't even call amateur basketball anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I think your point that we define amateurism differently and, and that definition grows. I think what's important is establishing that this is amateur basketball and all the people that want to get paid and deserve to be paid, for instance, the players you're talking about that a school would offer to pay them money, mm -hmm. they should be given the right to go to the G League and get paid and get endorsement deals. And the NBA, if they really cared about the game of basketball, which they don't, they're a business, mm -hmm. and they're not supposed to, I think the NCAA always takes the heat because it always gets put on us because we have this amateur um, stigma. Basketball is basketball. Like NBA controls USA basketball. Mm -hmm. The NBA should be in charge of all basketball in our country um, through USA basketball. And we should preserve what we have in college athletics that these are kids that want to go to college. They get a tremendous amount of benefits. I think some schools, and Duke might be one of the schools, that show the recruits that you get $500,000 worth of value every year. So you're basically a pro. But it's, it's all given to you in education. It's given to you in coaching. It's given to you in um, training. It's given to in meals and travel. And the NBA should make available for any kid that is talented enough that deserves to be paid to go to the G League and have a legitimate opportunity to be paid, get an endorsement, and keep college basketball authentic. We would lose talent. We would lose talent. We might lose TV contracts. but And we might make less money as coaches. Probably would. And, and I think that's okay. But you have something authentic that is students that go to school with other students that play for the school team at a really high level. And they're choosing that the value of the education, the value of their training, their teaching, is enough for them to play basketball there and get their education and then go be a pro. I hear what you're saying. I just don't I don't see it that way because we're not telling the talented musician who's on a music scholarship at Villanova that you need to be authentic and not accept any money while you're in school and separate yourself from your but, peers but we, and do all that. But they are getting money. They're getting $500,000. They're restricted. Of Yeah, yeah. Right. But, but it's restricted at that. But it's because we're a part of a we're a part of a sport in a country that has levels. Right, there has to be a professionalism. There has to be a level of professionalism. College basketball shouldn't be in that. And if we have to take less commercial money, um, which we're not going to do, well, but we should. If this is the problem with college basketball, it's not authentic. So anything that is not authentic is eventually going to crumble. See, I don't think I don't think it's going to crumble. The way I look at it, and I would use this analogy to sort of respond, is that if if the NCAA were to say, to use you know sort of some of the logic that I, I hear in your your presentation just now, if the NCAA were to say, all right, 
Jay Wright, all the Big East coaches, all coaches in Division One, you're amateur basketball coaches. So, so we can remain authentic. You guys are all going to make capped uh, $50,000 a year. And, but we're going to give you parking and we'll give you a certain amount of tickets to the games. And it's going to add up to what, if you had to pay for it, you know, it's a really nice number. So you should be happy with that. And if you don't like it, you can go coach in the G League or you can go coach in the NBA or coach in high school. You know I what, agree. You know I what that agree. would be? That would be an antitrust violation. They would lose their rear ends. Remember the restricted earnings coaches back in the 90s? Yeah, you're right. They that, lost They lost like $40 million exactly over right. that. And I would agree with that, and that's why we can't mm-hmm. We can't do it. And I would actually, I would actually agree with that. You would agree with, with that's how we should handle it? I would agree with the, the fact that that should be a part of, of that – that philosophy that this is this is education this mm-hmm. is amateur sports and but so you did again sorry to interrupt but but my thing would not be because we restrict the players we should restrict everybody it would it would be if we really believe that this is about education we should not sell these kids for billions of dollars like this we shouldn't be paying uh, playing games at 9:30 at night and fitting into tv windows and doing all this stuff I hear from people all well, the time. I agree with that because there's kids in school that they work in a pizza shop till eleven thirty. It's, it's part of your. It, it's like you, you, you were a graduate assistant. But they're sold in it. But, and, but the pizza, the, the guy working at a pizza joint is not sold into that position. Like these players are sold into these games. What do you mean by that? They're sold. You, the NCAA and all the member institutions, all the oh, conferences, you mean they, have to go? they are selling those games to television. Right. They're selling it to us. Right. And so a lot, of, a lot of times at a nine nine o'clock game, people would look at ESPN or, right. or, or whoever's putting it on. It's usually us. And but say, they, get special, they get special tutors that spend extra time with them. That's great. And that no one else gets. My, my, my point is uh, the authenticity of college basketball is what's always in question. You know, we have the FBI case right now because mm-hmm. these kids, these kids can get money. They can travel around in AAU basketball, and all of a sudden, you come to college, you can't do it anymore. We we have to redefine what is college basketball. What are you allowed to get? And it's get and it's got to be a, 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 a it's got to be a fair playing field if you if you're going to have a league. It's it's like the NBA has a salary cap. Mm-hmm. You know, it you have to have some rules, but. But, but when you say the salary cap, that is way not the same thing. Because the players in the NBA, the players get 50% of the revenue. Like 50% of basketball-related revenue. And they agree to the salary cap. No college player agrees to being restricted. That's why it's amateur. No, 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 no. no. We need to give, it's amateur just because the, 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 the stakeholders say it's amateur. But here's what I'm saying. We need to give those kids a choice. This is why I'm saying the NBA. But you're asking them to choose. Like I hear what you're saying, I, uh, but but you're asking you, them to choose. The G League, they should invest. in But the you're G asking League. them to choose between different markets. Like like not the, if they invested in the G League and made it. It's still a different market. It doesn't they, matter. I think that, that doesn't matter. Afraid to lose TV revenue to the G League, and 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 the NBA doesn't want to invest in the G League, but it's going to eventually. Bring down college basketball. See, I don't agree with that. I, I think I think college is great. Uh, like, and that's one question I would always have for sort of the the point of view that differs from mine is that if we really believe in education, I think we all do. I don't think anybody could question the fact that I believe in education. I absolutely believe in it. Right. 
So whether it's a one-and-done player, a guy who sticks around for two years, as Dante DiVincenzo, I think Dante DiVincenzo is better off having been at Villanova for two years or Definitely. three, whatever it was, Definitely. than not going at all. Definitely. And and if a kid if he had come in and blown up his freshman year and gone out, I think he would have been better off going to college. I agree. I agree. And and he's more likely to come back. I mean, he he's got a I'm not an amazing against, foundation. I'm not against the one and done. I'm just my point is, if we say it's college basketball, the people that are playing in it should be there because they value everything that you're referring to. They value that experience. They value. Um, being a part of a student body, being coached by coaches, uh, having to understand time management, go to class, travel, all that, get, getting the trainers, they value that. And they have a choice to go to the G League and make more money. They have that choice because we're giving it to them. They should be able to be drafted right out of high school. The G League should be at a level that they have a legitimate choice. But they choose – to be in school and be educated. Then we've got a legitimate project, uh, a, a, a legitimate um, uh, business. See, I think it would be legit anyway. And, and the, Because you have kids that are there for a year that don't want to be there. We're forcing them to go there. No, we're not. Yeah, because they can't. Nobody, Jay, nobody is taking, nobody is, nobody is forcing any school to take a player that doesn't no, want to no. be there. No, it's not, the, it's, it's not the school, it's the player. The player doesn't have the choice. No player can get into school without a school accepting them and giving them a uniform. What I'm saying is we're forcing the player to go to college. The, the player doesn't have the option. But you see, you see, let, you see where the disconnect let, – let me, let me explain my position on what the disconnect, I see as a disconnect there. That is when we talk about compensation, the NCAA will say this is a voluntary activity. Nobody's forcing you to go to college if you don't want to accept our terms. Then when we talk about sort of the one-and-done – uh, uh, rule, then we say we shouldn't be forcing these kids to go to college because from an NCAA viewpoint, really what the NCAA is, is saying is NBA, take this problem off of our hands. We yes. don't want to deal with this anymore. Yes. Because, because you, you are, what, what, what's happening now is people are looking at our business when they've never looked at it before. And they're looking the, at the billions of dollars that we're making, the billions that we're spending and going, wait a minute, why aren't the players being cut in on this? And, and they're getting sued left and right, and they're losing. They lost the O'Bannon case. There's a chance they're going to lose the Alston case. I don't know what's going to happen. But, but if they lose that one, one thing I know for sure, the NCAA is not going to win all these cases. They may not lose them all, but they're not going to win them all. Right. And so things are going to change. And I don't accept – and look, these are all you know, reasonable people can differ on this, and, and I have zero problem with that. But I don't accept that uh, – that Valuing education, valuing the experience, and money are mutually exclusive. Like I think that there is nobody. Let, if you're going to let all the other kids, all that you're talking about, one percent of the kids. If you're going to let all those other kids get the experience, somebody has to. Those guys have to make a decision. Like Zion Williamson should be able to make a decision. I could go to the G League, or you know, he should be able. To, I can go to the NBA. That's what should be allowed, and make. There should be no limit on what I make in the G League. There should be no limit on what I make in the NBA as a, as a first-year guy. And then if I don't want to do that, I, I choose to go to Duke for a year. He's He doesn't have that choice. It's not – No, I hear what you're saying. The value but, but, of but he has a choice of going so to Europe good. and all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah, but it's not – but you know it's not – Yeah, but, but, it's, but, it's but not again – It's not even – he really looking, doesn't have a choice. But it's looking at another market. Like – 
and I and I, I understand how this happens, but but I think the 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 discussion sometimes gets framed in a way that that it's only the one percent that were that that are right. really the problem, but it, it's not. It is. No, it's not. Why? Because that would be like saying in in college coaching, only one percent of the coaches are really valued as potential NBA coaches, right? So so really really they're they're they don't have much value. Well, you guys have tremendous value in this market. In the college market, you have a ton of value. Whether the NBA values you or not, there are only 30 head coaching positions in the NBA. All right, you happen to be one of those that could jump up there and do that in a heartbeat, but there really aren't that many that are coveted. Right. And that would be like the NCAA saying, hey, look, if you don't like the terms we're giving you, go to the, go to the NBA and coach, and, and we'll, we'll cap you at this. No, because because, no, you, because, because in a multi-billion-dollar business, you've got a tremendous amount of value in the marketplace. No, because, because we're, we're not. This we're talking about education. This there's only one place in the world that this model of playing at a high level and representing your school and having the um, the the connection to your alumni and and then go on to be a pro and get a free education. It doesn't it doesn't happen in Europe. It doesn't happen anywhere. Right. We've got something so unique here. And people love it. And and I'm really afraid it's going to eventually crumble, probably not in during my and your career, because it, it, it's like any government that is corrupt, eventually it's going to come down. Yeah. This thing isn't, it's not authentic. These, these kids are getting benefits in high school, and then to go to college, they have to stop. But if we would define these are all the benefits you get in college. MBA, this is the pay you would get to, M to go to the MBA. You make a choice. If you choose to come to this, the kids that are here want to be in college. 99% of the guys in college basketball want to be there. But the problems are the guys that, are tr that have to go for a year and are getting that money for a year or to go to a school for a year. And it's causing us... But All is these it, problems. I guess what I guess the, the let question those I guys had, be pros. Is is it the money that is the issue, or is it that there are players in school that maybe you know you would rather not ha not you, but but that that people would rather not be there if they're not going to be there for a longer period of time? Because that, that's sort of I the issue the people, that I have. I think a lot of the players that take the money or demand the money have no interest in the education, they just want to be pro players. That may be true, but, but... But they don't have an option to go be a pro. But when, remember, but you remember how bad things were when they did have the option. You know, when the one and done rule came Why in... Why was that so bad? Oh, it was, I mean, we had a what lot of problems. What was bad about it? There were, when the one and done rule came in, I remember college coaches being happy about that rule. That, that they were, you know, folks were, coaches were recruiting players that, that were likely to go pro. And they were they were wasting their time recruiting these guys. You never knew what was going to happen. There was a lot of uncertainty right. going right. on, uh, and and then you wound up bringing a kid in anyway. They'd leave. Um, you you had there was a lot of and you had a lot. You had you had pro scouts in high school gyms. Right. Um, That's the whole thing. things were screwed up. It's it would cost the NBA more money. Mm -hmm. Because they would have to scout the, the high school kids. We might spend the time on a high school kid and the kid might not come. Mm -hmm. So what? Our game's yeah. authentic. Our game's authentic. The kids that chose to come there had a choice to be a pro and chose to go to college and accept the rules for what they are. And we actually go by the rules. Right now, we're not. We've no, never gone by the rules. We're not. 
No, you're right because it's never been authentic. We've never well, said, but, 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 "This is what it is." But when I was in school, uh, and, and you were in school, there was no nobody thought about leaving early. Michael Jordan left after his junior year when I was in college, and people thought, "Oh my God, he's leaving early." Right, right. Well, he'd never make it that far now. Right. There was cheating going on back then. It was. It was. We didn't have the AAU culture right. then, but back then you had boosters paying guys. You had money all over the place. And, and I would argue, and pe- people okay. recoil when I say this, but, and I'm not talking about you know, uh, big money being paid, but there, there, when I played, there were very few good players that were strictly eligible by NCAA rules. People took something somewhere, almost everybody. Okay, let, let's, let's, let, 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 let's say that. Let's say that's true. Then you're working, you, you've got guys that, but here's the point. They didn't have a choice back then. They had to go. No, no, no. Back I then, when Ralph Sampson and those guys went, they had to go. Like Ralph Sampson. No, they could have gone. They could have gone early. There wasn't as much money back they, then that right. pulled them well, away. But Ralph Sampson could have left after his freshman no. year. You had guys going out of high school back then. It wasn't, it wasn't the norm. I mean, Daryl Dawkins, have paid, Bill they would, What I'm saying, they didn't have a choice. They wouldn't have paid them. What the, what they yeah, would back, pay. Then, back then, the, the money was not life-changing right. like it is now like right. you might if, if johnny dawkins was our best player in the 80s when he got drafted in 1986 he was the 10th draft pick i think he made four hundred fifty thousand dollars a right. year so that, that wasn't that, the that's same like you of, said about you have to change the rules of amateurism but you also have to change um you have to change with the times that the nba business has changed and it, it's very lucrative so to, is our business yeah our business has really changed but put put Give these kids the opportunity out of high school. If you don't want to go to college, you can get paid a fair market value. I, that's, that's fine. What no it's one not ever gonna... talks about. It. Everyone criticizes the NCAA, but, but they don't fine. say the NBA is using college basketball as a marketing tool, and they're not—they're not paying these kids. They have it set up that we're not taking them. No one says anything. The NBA, about the NBA. doesn't have to use us as a marketing tool. We're our own marketing tool. We're going to market these guys no matter what. Exactly, but it's helping them. for us. If if they would say we'll take them out of high school. They have to invest more money in the G League. They have to invest more money in scouting. Mm-hmm. They're saying, you know what? Keep this rule. It's the NBA's rule. They won't invest more money in scouting. The, the scouts will just be in different places. They'll be in high schools now. Yeah, but I think they'll have to invest more money, more like baseball. No, but they've know. invested. I mean, these guys have. I mean, right now the San Antonio Spurs are here having a uh, having a, a, a retreat with their basketball operations department. And – those guys are scouting all the time. They yeah. they're not going to get they're not going to get any bigger from a scouting perspective because uh, those guys if are kids scouting. Kids come all, out of high school. No, they're scouting oh, all over the world now. Right. They're scouting True. all over the world. True, and I think it's going to cost them more money now. Yeah, but they know where the players are. Rather than waiting for them to get to college, they'll go watch them in high school. They knew who yeah. Zion Williamson was when he was seventh grade. Exactly, and that's that's what I'm saying. Let them do that. Give those kids, give those kids a choice. But we but have see, the to argument, re- define what college basketball is, and if you choose it. You're going to be there for three years. We've already right? defined that, I think, and I think what yeah, you're. But, we've, we've, but I think what you're doing is you're making a, authentic. You're making a compelling argument to Villanova's people to say, "Here's what, here's who we should be, and here's how we should act in the marketplace." Because you know, I, I will tell you this: when I was in college, if I had stood up my senior, you know, they we, we used to go, they'd have a speak at the, an alumni event or something. And so if I had gone to an alumni event my senior year in 1986 and stood before all these cigar-smoking Duke fans and said, <laughs> and said uh, hey, just want to let you guys know something. Um, someday that coach over there, Coach K, with a name you can't spell, 
you're going to pay him $10 million a year. <laughs> they would have said, nope, we will not. We'll never do that. That's not what we're about. That's not what college sports is about. We will. Ne- that's not what Duke's about. We'll never do that. Right. They're doing it. <laughs> and they're doing it and they're loving it and they're saying and they're saying we we get it we you know we do it the right way and all this other, and I, I think they do do it the right way right. I don't think what he's paid has anything to do with how much he loves the game how much integrity he has how much he values education and preaches it to his team and all that stuff and and they've made some decisions on uh, how they recruit players how long you know whether the players they will take a player they think is likely to leave after a year um, that's a, that's a decision they're perfectly capable of making, and that's sort of my argument. It's market based; right. that the market will figure all this out, and nobody in the structure is saying, "You know what? We're making too much money. Like this isn't right. If we're going to claim this is amateur, like we need to. You know what's amateur in America? Golf and little league. <laughs> that's the only thing where somebody's dad coaches the team, and that's it." And then golf, where the, where the golfers say, like, you got a guy who's got a job, and he goes, you know, this summer I'm going to play in the U.S. Amateur, but I can't play in the Mid-Am because, uh, uh, you know, my sister's getting married. <laughs> and, uh, and I can't practice every day, but I can practice twice a week. All right. You know, that's we'll, the only thing is amateur. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at this. I love, I love <laughs> you. We'll leave it at this. So your, your stance is that let, let the marketplace determine it. We're a, we're a free society, we're, and, and my, mine is – we we have the the most unique uh, entity in sports in the world, but we connect education and um, sports, and we're not and we're not authentic, and it's gonna it's gonna implode like rowing did back in the early 1900s because it's not authentic, and when you're not, um, it ends. So, but we'll, if they had let us gamble on rowing. <laughs> it'd still be it'd still be right up there. I mean, who doesn't like a good regatta? <laughs> Perfect. That's my boy. I want to get I want to get you one last thing for you because because I, I know everyone loves to hear this from you. Just right now in college basketball, what do you see? Teams? What? Because you've you've kind of gotten a good feel here early. We, we don't right before we start conference play. What do you, what do you see of of teams? Um, going into conference play. If Duke shoots it well in any given game, nobody's beating them. Yeah. If they don't shoot it, there there are a number of teams that can that can get them on a on a given night. If they shoot it well, nobody's beating them. Yeah. Uh, I think Michigan. You guys have seen Michigan up close. Yeah. I think they're really good because they really. guard people like they've never guarded before. Their defense exactly. is better than it's ever been. Agreed. And uh, and I think Gonzaga. Gonzaga's playing really well. They don't have their best player. Yeah. Like Killian Tilly's their best player. He's our best pro prospect. That guy'd be a world class volleyball player if he want to play if he kept playing volleyball. Yeah. And he he may get back I think in January, but he's their be- he's six eleven. He's their best shooter, wow. and he's not even playing. Yeah. Um, there are a number of other teams like Kansas about, who you're how, playing. How do you see Virginia with those teams? Virginia's really good. They're not as good as they've been. Um, Interesting. They just had a kid. Kihei Clark got injured. He, he uh, uh, hurt his wrist, so he's going to be out for a little while. It might be f- three four weeks. Uh, he gives them a little like a, he's a tiny little little player that puts great yeah. pressure on the ball he can he pass it he's a nice competitor um, but they're not they lost they lost Isaiah Wilkins and they lost uh Devin Hall and all that so they don't they're not as tough defensively as they've been right they're still gonna be hard to beat yeah um, but they're not they're not quite as good interesting um, you've seen those other guys I haven't seen them. I've seen I've seen a bunch of where, where teams. do you see Michigan State I think Michigan State's very good right. um they're they're a little bit turnover prone 
So they they wind up kicking the ball away a little little more than you'd like, and and it seems like that's been an issue year after year with them of late. Um, but they do they do everything right, and uh, they, they're really good. Um, but I, I just like it seems like a couple teams at the top. When Kansas gets everybody healthy, I still think they're going to be right there. But yeah. they've got young guards. Yeah, like they you know they're they're they have two freshman guards, and one of them, uh, Quentin Grimes, who's really talented is going through this sort of freshman thing where he's thinking about everything. Yeah. You know, his first game against Michigan State, he's got 21 points. He went five of six from three or six of seven, whatever he went. Yeah. And, and now he's thinking about everything. I mean, yeah. you can see the wheels turning yeah, in his head. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, How and can we get gets, sophomores like that? Yeah. We yeah. get the sophomore thing. But, you know, <laughs> remember, but remember, I mean, not to get off, but remember when that was the norm? Yeah. When when the freshman hardly played. Yeah. Like I played as a freshman because we stunk. <laughs> and so we all played when we, were, we we didn't have anybody to play. So all the freshmen played. We, we started five freshmen or four freshmen. We started four freshmen. And, you know, so we had to learn on the job. Right. But that wasn't the norm. Right. And you had this normal progression to where, hey, maybe you, know, you, you were a, a rotation player as a sophomore. And then you started as a junior and you were, you know, you were at your best as a senior. Yeah. yeah. Now, if these guys aren't killing it in their first five or six games, everybody's what's wrong with him <laughs> you know and it's almost it's almost unfair in a way but yeah. this is it's the way it is and you it just is. have to deal with it well it's it, it is in a good spot and you make it great man thank you thank so you. much for yeah, spending the day You're my the head's best. spinning <laughs> patty's, jay trained, patty's trained jay right well with his legal <laughs> arguments vigorous conversation there's here. nobody better to be not a better guy either man uh happy for all your success and uh, appreciate your friendship buddy. great to be with you brother always hey. thank you You've been listening to Talking Villanova Basketball with Jay Wright, presented by Hartford Funds. Thanks for listening. See you next time. KeyBank makes it easy to manage your money anytime, anywhere. Download the KeyBank mobile app and then use your phone to deposit checks on the go, transfer money, even pay bills automatically. Learn how you can make even more financial progress when you use the red key. Only at KeyBank. Visit key.com or your local branch, member FDIC. NovaCare, the exclusive provider of physical therapy to Villanova. The Wildcats choose NovaCare. So can you. You've been listening to Talking Villanova Basketball, presented by Hartford Funds. Now coming to you throughout the season and beyond. Talking Villanova Basketball with Jay Wright is presented by Hartford Funds. Our benchmark is the investor and by Granite Run Buick GMC. Visit us online at graniterun.com.